So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please navigate to secondwindcollective.com for more info. Again, that's secondwindcollective.com. Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and as always, I'm joined by Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how hey, are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this week we'll be discussing Octodad Dadliest Catch. And, uh, Cliff, you had a good way of describing what, like the topic we'll be discussing with Octodad. Uh, the nice thing with Octodad, with regards to Octodad, is that it... Um, it's talking about the reality of the scene, the reality of the situation. When we're talking about comedy, generally we're talking about uh, establishing a platform that everybody who's participating in the scene is going to believe in. They've established, they have an established reality. Um, and in Octodad, there's a ridiculous reality that's been established, but everybody's going along with it, and that's part of the joy of the game. Well, great. Great. So we'll get into that. Uh, just first, though... As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. Uh, for more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Uh, also, uh, have you been playing anything since we last recorded? I have. Well, I've been playing more Star Realms. I've been playing more Star Realms. I have it on the, uh, I got the, uh, you can get the free app on my iPad, and so I was playing it there. And uh, that's good. Um, you need to pay for it if you're going to unlock the rest of the missions and that sort of stuff, but I just I just play the first five. <laughs> That's all I do. And then the other thing I've been playing is on Thursday last week, uh, Nintendo released the new Mario Kart DLC. Oh. And yeah, so I've been playing a lot of that. And uh, it's great. Have you been playing, have you played Mario Kart 8? I have, I have. I, when I uh, was home in Buffalo, I played it with some of my friends there. Oh, it's, oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. It seems really well put together. I mean, I, I know like pretty much every Mario Kart ever made is good, but this right. one especially felt uh, sharp. This one, I think, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say that this is this is the best Mario Kart that's ever been out. But it's for so many different reasons. Sorry if you're looking at what's happening right now. The cord from my microphone got caught underneath the wheel of the chair, oh. and I just can't. I just can't have that happen. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the risk of running that's, with a headset. I mean, that's, that's I the know, price you that's, pay. That's all it is. But I, it's I like the headset microphone more. Than, anyway, um, but I mean, they so in the base game for Mario Kart Eight, they had thirty different characters. They had you know their usual roster of thirty-two tracks. But every one of the tracks is like beautifully done, and the game runs beautifully in 60 frames per second. Um, 
In multiplayer, it gets cut down a little bit, but that's, you know, out of necessity. But the amount of variability that they have is really nice. The multiplayer online stuff that they have is really, really good. Uh, very, very diverse. So the base game itself had a lot of different stuff, right? I don't think there's been a Mario Kart so far which had as many characters or as high-quality tracks or anything like that. Plus, they introduced a couple other mechanics. There was some different neat underwater sort of stuff that was introduced, and there was the anti-gravity parts that were introduced as well, which were totally new for the series, um, that really just expanded on it in such nice ways. Um, so that in itself, the base game, gave you like a remarkable bang for your buck, right? There was so much. But then, with these DLC things that they've been doing here, they've released two DLC packs, and... Normally, I'm not really into DLC because I just view it as being kind of a money grab, but the amount of added value you get in these DLC packs, each one gives you three extra characters, like four new carts, and then like eight new courses as well. So if you have both of the DLC packs, you now have 36 characters, and you've got about 48 different tracks, not to mention that you can do them all in mirror mode as well. So if you're talking about the variability of tracks, you're getting up like to like 96 tracks than that you have which is ridiculous and then on Thursday they just added something else that was new for the Mario Kart series which was they added the 200cc class which is even way faster than the normal maximum of 150cc like I should have known that's what it meant I never previously understood why what the 50 100 150cc actually meant Oh really? Eh? It's as far as I know, it's just it's just a reference to engine size, fifty yeah. cc, and you know, um, but it's in the two hundred cc. I tell you, you play one hundred and fifty, and you learn the courses. You learn when you got to start to turn. You learn when you got to start to drift or do anything like that. You play two hundred cc. It's totally different because you're going way faster. So you actually need to like break a little bit as you're going around turns and things like that. Which is crazy, because normally the rule in Mario Kart is if you're braking, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, But here, if you're taking like a really sharp turn, you got to break into it a little bit uh, just to like slow yourself down so you're not hitting the wall. It's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these DLC packs, they don't seem like a cash grab from what I can tell. I mean... No, no, they really don't. In terms of like the amount of value that you get, it's it's like super high, and they put a lot of time and effort into doing them. It hasn't been like it was if they released the game, and then like months later they released another DLC pack, and then another bunch of months later they released another one because they wanted to put more time and effort into making them real high quality. As far as I know, it feels uh, weird to me, and I, I I guess it just depends on the studio. Like the Mario Kart. Uh, eight DLC mm -hmm. is so robust, and then like, granted, it hasn't been out as long. The Smash Brothers DLC, mm -hmm. it seems pretty lame. Like, uh, they got Mewtwo coming out, but it's gonna be five dollars if you didn't yep. buy both editions already. Yep, and uh, they got another. They have another. They're having Lucas come back as well, but each one of those doesn't seem like you're getting an extra character, right? Which is nice, and I guess for like real Smash Brothers aficionados they're going to want to get the entire roster and that sort of stuff. But honestly, I could see myself as doing without. Like, I got Mewtwo because I had both versions of Smash. I had the Wii and the 3DS version. Mm -hmm. um, so I got Mewtwo because they just gave it out for free. Um, but in terms of Lucas, I don't know if I would pay money to get Lucas necessarily. You know, Unless I had friends who were like, oh, I love Lucas, you got to get him back or something like that. You know, 
I I don't own Smash Brothers. I might buy it at some point. Sure. I would I would rather write Nintendo of America a check for five dollars and put in the memo field, bring Mother Three to America somehow. <laughs> if you're gonna yeah. tease us like this, just just yeah, make it happen. Just do it. Just put it on there. Yeah. No, that'd be good. Um, I've never played Mother Three or anything like that, but it's I've like as far as I know, it's super super good and it's very very popular and everybody seems to really like it. You know. There are ways. Uh, we won't. I won't encourage people to <laughs> find those ways, but they're out there if you want to. They're out there. You can find it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I've been like <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart, and it's just uh, it's it's great but at the same time like i'm really like super into it but at the same time it comes with the exact same like mario kart bullshit that is always like to plague the series that you're like doing super well and you're in the grand prix and you've got first 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 and then you come in second in the very last one just because yeah you know you know what happens there so but that's just that's the nature of the beast i guess so anyway but yeah it's super so that's what I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. All right. How about you? Uh, well, after uh, last episode, I talked about uh, Hearthstone a bunch. I went mm-hmm. and I played like 15 hours of Magic the Gathering online. Uh, so oh, really, eh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's not a hole I want to dive too far down, but uh, <laughs> here we are. There you are. That's. Have you done that? You yeah. You you used to do that. You go on to there's like a specific website. It's not like the actual like the um, uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers games or anything like that, is it? It's something else. It's something else. So Duels of the Planeswalkers is a standalone game you can buy, and mm-hmm. you can play like an AI opponent, and mm-hmm. you can play against people. But the the card pool is rather limited, and your yeah. deck construction options are a bit limited as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I did buy one of the editions, and the big feature was you can take cards out of your deck now. Whoa. I, yes, yes. <laughs> like, you didn't just have to add cards to your deck when you acquired new ones. You could sure cut it back down. Uh, yeah. Magic the Gathering Online is meant to be as close of a digital approximation as possible of mm-hmm. the paper Magic the Gathering card game. Okay, okay. And it does succeed to an extent at doing that uh it's mm-hmm. it's got to be an impossible programming task to get all the different card rules in the game yeah oh there'd be so many different instances of like rules conflicting with other rules or specific small instances i'm sure yes and there are there's got to be cases where you there's a card made and they code that one card that one way and then like Ten more cards that are just like that one card get made, and then they mm-hmm. have to either go back or they have to like write more code on top of it to make it all work. It's got to be right. just a, an unending nightmare for the programmers. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine there'd be a lot of different combinations there, wouldn't there be? So I, I can't really rec. I, I I'm so conflicted. Like it's the best way to play Magic the Gathering online as purely as possible on your computer but mm-hmm. as an actual game I can't really recommend playing it I don't <laughs> think it's a, a very good program really eh? that's interesting yeah. so it's, the, it's the only it's the only thing available to everybody but you can't recommend it <laughs> no I, I really I really couldn't and, and uh, it's too bad too because I think Magic is a great game and yeah just sometimes you can't play a paper game. You don't 
know people. Like, I mean, I, I moved to Chicago. I didn't really know anyone who plays here. There are stores, but mm-hmm. it's it's a little awkward coming by yourself to a magic tournament. And, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a very awkward person in general, if, if you know me personally. I do know you personally. Thank you. And am I an awkward person? A little bit sometimes. Okay, good, good. I'm glad. I can vouch. I, I, I believe I'm an awkward and self-aware person, at least. Yeah. Right, yeah, you certainly are. But, um, uh, yeah, that, that occupied a lot of my time. I, mm-hmm. I also played an iOS game. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, called uh, Rock On. Oh, interesting. Okay, so what what happens with that? Now, when you had an old iPod, did you ever mm-hmm. play the game on there where it would like kick up a song from your library and you'd have a multiple choice quiz on which song it was? No, no, I never did that. I never did that. On like an old like one with the little like the wheel on the front or like yeah, yeah, really like a very early generation. Like I I don't know if that was on like the first generation, but it was on. A it lot was on of- like an older an older generation iPod. Right. No, it, I had no idea. It's just that game, basically. It'll <laughs> play a song. It uses like a, it's like made by the same people who did Song Pop. Okay, sure. All so right. They get a song. You have to guess like the title or the album or the band, mm-hmm. and then you just do that over and over again. And it draws. It just draws from your music library, like whatever's on your iPod. In this case, it it draws from everything. Like, I mean, it, it oh. sticks mostly at least early on in the game, it sticks mostly to, uh, like, very popular music, like, you know, mm-hmm. Beatles, Guns N' Roses, Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sure. And then popular music uh, from contemporary times that I don't... From some contemporary artists, of which I'm certain there's many examples. <laughs> like uh, Arctic Foxes, is it? Ah, uh, the Arctic Foxes. Yes. I think that's Very predatory card. Arctic mammals they are. Right. I think I just need a magic card. <laughs> <laughs> the Arctic Fox. <laughs> yes. High resistance, those Arctic foxes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm, That's funny. I'm repping here. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was fun, mindless, you know, diversion. And it's true. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the way they do uh, their pay model, I appreciate, is that it's a free game. Mm-hmm. And they do hit you with ads. But they're just like, hey, if you want to support us, you can pay five bucks. Mm-hmm. And that just unlocks the whole game. That's all the ads say. Uh, the the uh, the ads are for just random stuff like oh, you know, sure. Game of War, like all the regular iOS. <laughs> Always ads Game of War. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, there there's an option that says like, hey, you know, help us keep our lights on. We mm-hmm. could use five bucks. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like for the free game, the ads are that obnoxious. They're there sometimes. They're not overwhelming. Sure, sure. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, it's kind of annoying when you have a free play game and. The ads are really overly obnoxious. Um, I read a review. Uh, do you ever play the board game? I guess it's more of a card game. But do you ever play Coup? Do you know Coup? I don't know Coup. Coup is kind of like this like hidden identity bluffing sort of game. It's done by the same people who did the Resistance, mm. uh, which is like a big you know bluffing sort of game. Uh, but they just came out with apparently there's a Coup app now. Uh, which is strange because it's a hidden identity bluffing game when the goal is to try and like read your opponents and call them on their lies and that sort of stuff. So I have no idea how they ported that as an app. Huh. Um, but apparently the reviews of it are terrible because it's just all ads constantly. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing is ads and you got to wait for a long time to your next turn and I don't know, it's messy. So that's a shame. Um so it's nice. It's nice, you know, because it's a free-to-play game. You're going to expect there's going to be some ads, but it's nice 
when they do it in an unobtrusive way. Yeah, monetizing games is tough, and as mm-hmm. much as we try and talk about, like you know, the intelligence that goes into games, I mean, they're designed mm-hmm. to make money. <laughs> they are. They that, certainly are. Aren't they? Yeah, and and like that's their, they're kind of their mm-hmm. dirty carny roots. I mean, Space Invaders, Pong, Pac Man are all designed. In such all a designed way. to make money. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, if you read some of the reviews for games like Monument Valley, you would think people, they are bastards for trying to make money off the game they make. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, by the way, I guess you've been you've been following all the like Steam Workshop stuff that's been going on. Yes. Yeah. I, I just saw a post saying that they're taking it away. They're they're removing the paid uh, mods thing. Wow. That's uh. Yeah. That's a reaction. That is a reaction. That is a. That is a very bizarre situation. I'm not a part of the modding community or anything like that, but I think it's it's fascinating. How what when when was this released? Like three days ago, maybe two days ago. Yes, yeah, and without any fanfare, they just did it. Yeah, they really did. There wasn't there wasn't any warning or anything like that. That's what you mean. Right? No, right? Yeah. So it's remarkable that they did it. There was a massive, massive outpouring of feedback, and then they said, "Okay, you're right," and they took it away. That's remarkable. It is. Uh, I mean, I never really had an opportunity to even form an opinion about it. I mm-hmm. I mean, I guess without any skin in the game, it's hard. I mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the the spirit behind it did have some merit, like that these people who create mods should be compensated. It's tough to sure. compensate them, though, because they're not using their own material. No, no. So that, that I could, I guess I could see how They'd want to give some money back, but the the actual developers themselves would also take a share of that because it is their tools and it is their stuff that everybody's using and that sort of stuff. But um, at the same time, I guess the big issue was that it was just limiting the freedom and uh, a whole bunch of other sorts of things, I guess. Yeah, I I think that was one of the concerns is that it locked people into using Steam as a platform for releasing mods. I think that, I believe that was a concern. Okay, yeah, I, I could see how that'd be a big issue, yeah. Uh, it yeah, it's, it's just hard to fathom that. Like, it reminds me a bit of uh, what were they doing with the Xbox One before it came out, where it was the Connect had. To, I think it was the Connect always had to be on. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. then they people were not thrilled with that idea. They were not into that. No, no, and so they had to go back and revise their stance, and then eventually. They had to go and take the Connect out of the bundle. They're, I mean, they still sell an Xbox One with Connect, but uh, right. But they had to make it available without the Connect too, just for all the concerns that people were having over it, right? Right, right. And like that was a big part of their initial push was like you can use the the Connect is now new and improved. They had mm-hmm. they had gimped the old one. Now this would be like the real Connect experience. Right. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> but everybody was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time I heard someone talking about the Kinect. Man, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, like Microsoft really distanced themselves from that product. Yeah, did they? Because that, maybe that would explain why I haven't heard of it for a while. I mean, there are, I'm, I'm not aware of too many games at all that use the functionality. Hmm. So, I well, this I don't know. Well, that is that is. I guess that is another story for another time, isn't it? 
Right. I mean, since we're speaking of uh, clumsy interfaces, this might be a good way to... <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Nailed, Nailed that man. segue! <laughs> Swish! Swish. So, yeah, so this week, I guess in addition to uh, whatever we've been talking about here, we're talking about Octodad, Dadliest Catch. That's right. Um, and as far as I know, it's only been released on PC. I don't think it's been released on anything else. I said as I checked the wikipedia page nope i'm totally wrong <laughs> it was also out on the playstation 4 just it did out. just come Wait, out no, didn't it, it came out last year sorry never mind oh yeah it's not 2014 anymore no, is it? No. um yeah okay so i guess it's on a few different things um yeah so octodad dadliest catch in this game you play as an octopus who is masquerading as just a human uh with very clearly an octopus wearing just a suit and uh the whole premise of the game is that they're very how I guess the idea is how you're trying to blend into normal society, but as an octopus, you're extremely clunky trying to move and do all these different things. Um, so you're trying to just blend in with extremely clunky, strange controls that kind of lead to a whole bunch of different hilarious outcomes in different situations. Yeah, yeah, and I mean this differs greatly from basically every other video game that's been made where you as the the player or the player character is a nearly omnipotent demigod who can (laughs) be a master assassin and diplomat and Mm -hmm. lover to everyone he he or she meets (laughs) right needed to save the world because the prophecy foretold of years ago when you'd be arising right yeah I mean like Halo, Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are fewer games that don't involve that trope Mm -hmm. than games that don't. (laughs) (laughs) I think I get what you're trying to say. So yeah, it's it's interesting that you play in this game as the most inept character. And your goal, your main goal of the game is to just blend in and do regular things. Like your, your first mission as far as I remember, is to is to like knock stuff off of a couch and to like open up a cabinet and to get dressed. Like these are your basic regular like this is your first your first mission is to get dressed. And you do it and you're like, yes. And then they're like, now you gotta put on a bow tie and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and I think they do a good job of making you in, involved with the ineptness of your own character with these mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally praise a game for having bad controls, but I think that's sort of the point here is these controls are very awkward and, and unwieldy. It really is. It's very similar to, I guess, uh, uh, q then, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, when it's designed to be, like, clunky, and uh, if you can eventually, like, master it or get that sort of stuff, then it ends up working pretty well. But other than that, it's just pretty funny what ends up happening. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting system. I was wondering before I started to play how they were going to do it, but I actually kind of like the system now that I've been playing it for a little bit. The fact that you switch between your legs and your arms. So it's almost got... Uh, it's less frantic than you would expect. The walking is really, like, odd. Don't get me wrong. But I like the fact that you walk and then you kind of stop. And then you got to try and move other things around. And then you got to switch back to walking. I kind of like that a little bit. So are you playing with a mouse and keyboard? I am. Should I not be? No, no, I'm just playing with a controller, so that's good. We have a different experience. Though. Oh, okay. So so what happens with the mouse is you just have to, like, you just push the space bar when you want to switch between your legs and your arms. 
and with your arms you can pretty much control like the height of your arms and then once you get to, to a certain height then you can move it around and that sort of stuff and then if you want you can change the height again and move it back um, but then you can switch back to your legs and then you just walk around and do that sort of stuff um, how does it work with the controller? Uh, with the controller, the analog sticks move your arms. One analog is devoted to uh, y-axis, one is for x, and then okay. your walking is handled by the triggers. Uh, like I'm using oh, really? Xbox 360 controller. Okay. Uh, so the left trigger for the left leg, right trigger for the right leg. Really? Yeah. So you can do it all at the same time, eh? Right, exactly. Ooh, I could see how that would be way messier. It it is. It's pretty messy, and I, I mean, I think it has to have been a compromise that they came up with when they were porting it to console, anyway. Sure. Yeah, I can imagine that. It was something that they needed to do there. I think uh, uh, one thing uh, comedically that's uh, good here is by by as you were saying, the base reality is being set. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's that idea in comedy that when you're going up into a scene or when you're establishing a platform, it's important that all of your characters accept the things that are being said as being the reality of the scene, right? You don't necessarily want to have somebody who comes in right off the top and say like, whoa, this is some weird stuff that's happening. This isn't normal. You want everybody to sort of accept that this is the reality of the scene. And then a little bit later on, you can figure out the weird thing that's happening there, right? So... Uh, a nice example that I use when I talk about this is something like Star Wars, right? Uh, and in the entire the in the first Star Wars movie, uh, the whole platform is set up like Luke is on uh, Tatooine and he's on the uh, he's on the moisture farm with his aunt and uncle, and uh, he's just hanging around and he's in space and doing all this sort of stuff, right? So it introduces all these ideas to you, right? But it's not as if anybody comes up to you and they're like, whoa, isn't it weird that he's in space and he's on a different planet? Like, that's not, you know, no one's doing that, right? The weird thing or the interesting thing happens a little bit later when Luke discovers that he's like a descendant of Jedi, right? And he's going to go and train to be a Jedi, right? And there's all sorts of intergalactic conflict that's happening and everything like that, right? Yeah. That's the interesting thing, right? Um, so it's important that everybody sort of accepts they establish the nature of the reality right here. So, in Octodad, obviously you're an octopus that's walking around. Although I'd really, there's like, a, there seems to be a general like internet meme that's going around when pictures of Octodad, people are like, I don't understand, that's just a normal guy. What are you, right, right. What are you doing there? <laughs> I remember somebody like posted like a glitch or something, it was just Octodad without the suit on, and somebody commented, they were like, whoa, 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 now we're just posting naked guys to this forum? Come on! <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, but anyway, so he's obviously inept and everything like that, but everybody's just, everybody in the game is just watching it happen. They're like, oh, that's pretty normal. That's fine, right? It's totally fine. They're there's going a, about their business. There's a great part, like, right in the introduction that establishes that reality is when, I mean, the first scene is that Octodad <laughs> is getting married. Yep. And he's he's late. He's hasn't shown up yet. And so an usher goes to find him, and he the usher finds this octopus in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> but then the actual issue is that he he's not dressed yet. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I love the scene when the usher's like, <gasps> "You're not dressed yet." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that's because that's exactly it. You're like, okay, I guess in that just in that small moment that they have right there. 
they've established the reality of the universe is that yes he's clearly like he's an octopus but nobody suspects a thing right and that's i guess that's the whole sort of theme of the of the game um but it's wonderful how there's just that little tiny moment where nobody like figures it out you know right i mean uh like one thing that is very difficult about hosting or putting on an improv show is how do you explain improv to someone who has never seen nor heard of it before Mm. I I mean uh, sometimes of course we can take that for granted because we end up doing shows for a lot of other improvisers that that is true (laughs) that's a very uh, common thing but Mm -hmm. and and I don't mean to belittle anyone's intelligence just like I think people do have need to have some expectations for what they're about to see sure sure and so like just giving them an idea that and reassuring them that you're making everything up as you go mm-hmm. allows people to lower their guard. They they are more relaxed. They're like, what I'm going to see isn't uh, a production of mm-hmm. Cats that's been highly rehearsed. I can, if a person mm-hmm. mis- makes a mistake, I don't have to feel uncomfortable about it. I can mm-hmm. enjoy it along with the the performers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's a real. I'm sh- I'm sure you know TJ and Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, TJ and Dave are uh, generally referred to as being like the masters of long-form improvisation. Uh, just two improv improvisers and actors, uh, TJ Jagodowski and Dave Pasquazi, and they do this uh, two-man, hour-long improv show called TJ and Dave. And at the beginning, uh, TJ will come out and he'll sort of like look around at the audience and he'll kind of like look at everybody and see how everybody's doing. Then he'll sort of introduce himself and then he'll sort, of, he'll sort of introduce his partner and then he'll say, trust us, this is all made up and then they'll just go to black and it sort of just sets the tone for everything. And then when it comes up, they always have a nice long moment so that they themselves can kind of discover the energy that's already present, but it's also so the audience can really sort of see at the same time that yes, they are coming up with everything at the same time. So it's very nice that they make everybody feel comfortable. They very nicely ease everybody into this world that they're creating. And I think there that also applies, um, yeah, to a lot of different scenarios where sometimes uh, improvisers, just through the organic development of scenes, get put into a situation where they don't have full control, mm-hmm. and they're not able. They're not going to be able to do what has been asked of them by the scene or by their uh, mm-hmm. Co-performers, right? Uh, I, I mean, the, the most, the most uh, frequent one I would say is rapping. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's tough for some people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's just like, uh, it's a relatively common thing. It's like, oh, we're gonna have a rap off now, and then mm-hmm. a lot of people on stage who don't know how to rap are about to rap. And yeah, if yeah, yeah I mean, if you were going to, I guess, a, a rap show, a rap concert. Mm-hmm. At some improv theater, you might be disappointed if no one knew how to rap. But here, <laughs> you can you can fully appreciate. It. You can enjoy the times where they hit the line, they they right. get the rhyme correctly, or mm-hmm. you can enjoy it when they just totally flub it. They don't. Yeah, and that's that. That that ultimately is the real nice thing about improv, right? Is that you can enjoy it just as much when it's successful as when it's unsuccessful, right? And I mean, what I what that means is not not necessarily like crappy improv when people just aren't listening to each other or doing anything like that. That's boring, but you know, in, in you know, in a specific way, you know. But if people make like mistakes on stage and they own their mistakes, and the mistakes are spectacular and they do them enthusiastically and that sort of stuff, 
that's something that you can really you know you can really enjoy. Yes. Which, um, it doesn't it it doesn't happen to different things. You watch somebody doing like a classical like theater production or something like that. They miss a line or they mess something up, and immediately everybody in the audience like cringes. Right? You know, it's like the ooh, right? Especially if you're familiar with the production. But in improv, somebody messes something up. Somebody does something that's you know interesting, or they change something up, and then it's it's wonderful. They find a whole new avenue for exploration. I mean, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, yeah. I mean, he. He corpses through like half the scenes he was in, in on Saturday Night Live, and right. that was just considered part of his charm. I mean, that was part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you should. I mean, corpsing, if you're not familiar, is when you uh, are supposed to be in a serious scene and then you break character and laugh or giggle mm-hmm. on stage. And Jimmy Fallon did that a lot, but people just liked they, it. They liked it. They accepted him. They liked that it happened. You know, there's. Uh, there's something to be said to the fact that you could be very charming and you can have these things happen that traditionally in theater you would never want to happen but in more of a comedic atmosphere more of an improvisational atmosphere it happens and it's it's charming and it's endearing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Octodad. so Octodad <laughs> so it's really so it gets established that you know he's doing all these things and I just I love the idea that you're like you're flying around the rooms and you're picking things up and throwing them all around but your kids are around and they're like yeah whatever <laughs> you know they're like that's just dad right yeah. um, and uh, your wife's like there you are let's go you silly what have you been doing <laughs> right and uh, it's you're it's so sloppy and everything like that but it's it's wonderful because the everybody all the characters accept it you know they're not drawing attention to it now i haven't played all the way through it as far as i know from reading the storyline and that sort of stuff what happens later on is eventually like it's discovered yeah that you are an octopus which i guess if you know anything about storytelling i guess that's probably an inevitable sort of thing Mm -hmm. uh you know that there's going to be some sort of change or dynamic right either everybody's going to discover you're an octopus or they're not going to discover it. And it's way bigger, better of a choice to discover that you're an octopus. But with that in mind, (laughs) what the hell? Out of context, that sounds crazy. It's like improvisers, remember, it's definitely satisfying when people discover you're an octopus. I mean, you should take that seriously and apply that as a personal note, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, what what theater you're in. Just Always like, remember that. It's important. People like discovering you're an octopus. Um, but I guess then that brings up the idea, too, that you don't want to have people realize that at the beginning. You want everybody to go along with the reality of the scene at the beginning. Because that way, when the dramatic reveal happens later on, it's more impactful, right? It means more, right? Yeah. You can think about a scene when there's somebody who's like a horrible, like gruesome murderer or that sort of stuff. Right, but nobody's paying attention to it or anything like that. Right, he's clearly like at the bus stop and he's covered in blood or something like that, and everybody's like, "Oh, hi, Tim, nice to see you again." Busy night, and he was like, "It was very busy," and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, me too." Right, then nobody realizes it until you know much later on when it's suddenly discovered he's killing somebody or something like that, and everybody's like, "Tim." Where have you been? It's <laughs> so nice to see you. You know, so, I, I don't know. That was yeah, kind you, of a... No, I, I understand. You want to uh, apply stakes. Uh, you want mm-hmm. to ratchet up the tension mm-hmm. over time so that when the reveal eventually does happen, it has meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, another, there's another character in Octodad as well, who I guess is the chef 
who's continually chasing you or pursuing you. And I guess in that sense, the chef is the chef. The chef is shut your uh, mouth. <laughs> he's really acting as the. Uh, I forget what the term is, but like the audience's perspective. I think that's what it is. I would, I would say so. I, well, I yeah. mean, he's he's kind of unhinged himself. Sure, uh, sure. It's kind of like the. Um, uh, he's, a, he's as close as you're going to get, I think. Yeah, I think so. Right, like you're playing as the audience, and you're you're watching, and you know he's an octopus, but the chef represents that like desperation of trying to like show everybody that he's an octopus, right? Um, which is interesting that you're working against him. So it's almost like you as a player are struggling to keep this facade going up. Um, that actually even reminds though... me of uh, Frank Grimes a lot. <laughs> yeah, do you think? Yeah. Everybody's just going along with what Homer's doing, and Frank's the only one who's like, come on, can't you see he's a moron? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. But everybody everybody hates him, right? Everybody hates Frank, because everybody's like, eh, that's just... It's just what Homer does, you know? Right, and just laying bare the rules of this universe that Homer mm-hmm. is always going to come out on top, or in the mm-hmm. case of Octodad, Octodad is a bit more uh, sympathetic than Homer in most cases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. just a regular guy trying to make his way through the day. He's just a regular guy, that's all he is. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, but yeah, I, the the thing that I like about Octodad is it's just it's showing really what you can do when you set up a platform and you really just stick to it really nicely, right? And you explore what would be happening in this world, right? So you've got some bizarre situation, which is something that you could absolutely see in an improv scene happening. You have somebody who's an octopus who's trying to blend into normal society. What are the things that would happen, right? How can we heighten this idea? Well, if he's trying to blend into society, maybe he has a job that he has to go to. Maybe he's wearing people clothes. Maybe he has a family, you know. Uh, Maybe he's got to go on different trips and go and do regular sort of person things. And then you heighten it even more. Maybe there's someone who's maniacal who's always trying to find uh, what's happening, you know, or figure things out. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Did you play with subtitles on or off? Uh, On. Okay, it, all right. It, it was on, I think it was on by default, but are you talking about, like, when they subtitle what the octopus is saying specifically? Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. That's, yeah, that's really... If you haven't played it, what happens is, uh, and I guess it's for everyone who's listening, but, because uh, <laughs> you and I both know, um, but uh, when the octopus, he, he talks, he just kind of does, like, a like, a bunch of, like, bubbles or that sort of stuff but the caption always reads like the actual emotional response <laughs> that he's having to the situation it's like like slight accusatory bubbling <laughs> or that sort of stuff right right which is pretty funny um but yeah yeah i mean uh they like that they went that far in applying the reality to have the conversations be coherent mm-hmm. to you the viewer and to the people in the universe, I think that's a very nice touch. They didn't have to go to that length. Yeah, they didn't. But it, uh, it, yeah, even without it, you could still see the responses from the other characters and everything. But I think you're right. It does add a nice little extra level there, um, even more insight into what's happening there. And I guess that probably even makes him a little bit more sympathetic too, because you know that he's having a genuine emotional response to everything that's happening, even though he can't communicate it very well. And as, as far as a game goes, I mean, I I found myself enjoying my time. I 
I also admittedly did not play through to the end of the game. <laughs> I like I feel yeah. like they they have their their joke and mm-hmm. they they played it out. Um, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say compared to some of the other games we talked about, it, it it's a little more shallow in what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. It is It is interesting that we were talking about the Stanley Parable last time, and the Stanley Parable is such, like, a big, like, mind-altering, like, paradigm-shifting game, but then you play, and you play Octo, Octodad, and it's like, yeah, you're a goofy guy walking around and throwing <laughs> the things, you know? So it's very much, it's almost like business as usual, but in, like, a very silly sort of way. Like a... A game that I wanted to talk about at some point was uh, Goat Simulator. <laughs> Goat Simulator. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of the same general idea is that you're... Mm-hmm. The, all the humor is derived from, like, this game is deliberately buggy. It's mm-hmm. all glitchy and out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of the joke. That's the joke, basically. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some stuff, other stuff they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. doesn't really land. And... No. Uh, I mean, um, I, I appreciate them trying to do that, and I think that there is room for like more bite-sized experiences that explore mm-hmm. that. I mean, Octodad is not an expensive game. I believe it is. Uh, I don't know exactly what it costs. I believe it's like ten bucks. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think as far as I know, it's pretty short too. Um, I don't think it takes very long to get through it. Like I think you go to the aquarium, and then a bunch of different stuff happens in the aquarium. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. It doesn't seem like it's very. It's not a very long game. I don't think. But um, I don't. You're right. I don't think it needs to be because it's just it has its premise and it hits it fast and it hits it in a bunch of different interesting ways and it probably just you know leaves you being like yeah that was cool that was cute you know something like that leaves it leaves before it's overstated it's welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, more games could stand to do that if they weren't trying to make money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they weren't. And I guess that's... Uh, it. That, I guess, just brings up the idea of the charm of, like, other sort of, like, really short, really nicely, you know, compact, nice, simple games, like the original Portal, right, that you right. could finish in a couple of hours, but is such a nice experience the entire time that it's you want to go back and do, see it again, right? Um, or you think about any television series that only had a couple of episodes, but they were all really, really good, like Faulty Towers, or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, like the yeah. Critic or Clone High or... Yeah, yeah. So all those sorts of things, you know? There were only a few, and you still like to go back and watch them again and everything like that. And it's uh, it's really nice. Um, I guess those all ended for different reasons. Yeah, Spunky <laughs> but, Towers uh, did not end because it got canceled. It, it ended no. because that's just how British television works. That's just how British television works. But yeah, no, Clone High was canceled, which was unfortunate because it. I would have loved to have seen a second season of that. And the uh, same thing with the critic too. I think it was it was canceled, right? Wasn't they they made it to two seasons of the critic, and then they did like a like back in two thousand one, they did a web series of the critic. Right. I seem to recall I I watched like episode one of the critic or something like that, or sorry, of the of the, like the web series version of the critic, mm-hmm. but like. The actual series ended with like Jay. I think he had like a he had a girlfriend or something at the end or something like that. And it had yeah. a real nice and it ended on like an optimistic sort of like nice happy note. But then the web series starts and at the beginning it's like implied immediately that like his girlfriend left him or something like that. And now he's back to his old self. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, no, I don't want to know. 
I don't want to know. I just want to end the critic where he was happy at the end, I think, as far as I remember. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense, is that, like, a lot of characters have a narrative arc, and then Mm -hmm. when you reach the end, I mean, there aren't always more stories to tell about Mm -hmm. these characters. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you couldn't make Octodad 2. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) You can do whatever you want, okay? I don't think there's a need for that. I I hope those guys do continue to develop games. They are located in Chicago, so Mm -hmm. maybe they'll yeah. see them at a, a gaming event at some point but I hope they try something new yeah certainly um, yeah it's very interesting you see you see those certain things and you're like yeah that was good I don't need another one I am satisfied with that um, that's how I felt with How to Train Your Dragon you ever seen How to Train Your Dragon? I have not Oh, it's fantastic the original one is great um it's really, really good. And it's the sort of thing that you watch and it's this really exciting world and it ends and you're like super uplifted and everything like that. And yeah, the movie sort of like raises a couple of questions, sort of, but you didn't really need them to be answered necessarily, you know? Um, and then the second one like expands and fills in a bunch more other things, a bunch of other crazy stuff happens. And you're like, yeah, it was nice that that happened. It was cool, but I didn't need it. I was satisfied enough with the first one, you know? No, I, absolutely. That makes uh, a lot of sense. But I guess, you know, from a financial perspective, they obviously wanted to make another one because it was a very popular movie. (laughs) It's all about the money. (laughs) That's what it is. But yeah. Yeah, I I think uh, in the idea of leaving people satisfied... (laughs) <laughs> I'm going for it again. Let's let's not overstay our welcome. You are just you're killing the segues today. You're yeah, doing it's just it. Like the, the hoop seems like the size of a really large hole. Yeah, and the basketball isn't that big. You're doing great. You're Thank doing you. great. Thank you. I'm, I think I'm nailing it. I think so too. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna talk about for the next episode. I don't know. I guess we didn't really know at the end of the Stanley Parable one either, did we? Nor at the end of a <laughs> nor at the end of anything, really. I mean, but at the at first we were pretty good about like saying we're gonna do this next time, and then yeah, immediately after episode one we didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't do it anymore. Yeah. Reminds me of uh, in six. You ever seen Six Feet Under? Did you ever watch Six Feet no, Under? No, no. The very first episode, every commercial break or so, they had like a fake commercial for like a funeral product that had kind of like a jokey. They were like, we put the fun back in funeral or something like that, right? <laughs> Episode two, it's all gone. No, no, they stopped no. doing that. And it turned into like this like dark, serious, like real dram- like drama, right? <laughs> and they got rid of all those commercials after the first one, which is good because they were not very good. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely talk about at least one video game next episode. If yeah. we ever don't talk about a video game over like the 45 minutes then we might have a problem but yeah, I think maybe we're still doing okay with that yeah we certainly are uh, just uh, as always we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com uh, please if you have any questions you'd like to ask us uh, we can maybe do an email segment if we get some email that would be cool like us on facebook at so many bits uh, follow us on twitter and tumblr at so many bits Subscribe to us on iTunes, rate, comment if you can, or listen to us on SoundCloud. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other podcasts. Support independent art, the spirit of Dell compels you. (laughs) Uh, Cliff, anything else you'd like to add? No, that's good for me. All right, well, just, uh, yeah, like, uh, oh, Henry bars, they're delicious, man. (laughs) 
That's what I got. <laughs> Good piece of advice, Felipe. <laughs>